Thank you so much for tuning in to episode number four of the Selah Leaders podcast. Uh, I am your host, Nick Newman. I'm here with my friend, Darren, who is our podcast guide. Yeah, it's good to be with everybody for episode number four. It's crazy to think we've, we're starting the fourth episode now, and the first three episodes have gotten some great views, yeah. some good response. So I'm excited to dive into number four. Yeah. My mom loved the first couple of us. <laughs> no, between, I mean, we've had great uh, support from, you know, people who uh, are just a part of the network and part of uh, Selah Leaders. We've seen people in our church engage with it. And so that's been really cool to see. And, you know, when we first started out on this journey, um, I am always more like over ambitious uh, in an in initial season. And so I remember coming to you with like, here's a list of what it was. There was 20, a lot. 26 episodes. Yeah. For I, think the we year. Were planning, I think we were planning on every other week throughout the course of the year. And then it, it just became like, Hey, this, this might be a little too much. This is not just a little too much. Like for the season that we're in, yeah. it's way too much. And so we moved it to like once a month and thankfully we, you know, had filmed a couple and then, uh, we were able to not like have to backtrack like, Oh, we started doing every two weeks. And then we like changed to, uh, only doing once a month, but you know, right now it feels like once a month is very on pace for us. Yeah, I would agree. Um, because you know, that's just the reality of the season that we're in. And, uh, I lead a church full time, uh, lead, uh, Selah leaders and other nonprofit yep. full time. Uh, multiple revenue streams outside of that, you know, trying to balance all that. And um, in this season, you know, as a church, um, if you're not a part of a church, then this probably doesn't mean uh, anything to you in the area of leadership, but it's around Easter for us. And so it's a little bit busier. Churches typically have uh, only a few growth windows a year. We're kind of right in the middle of that. And on top of all that, we're building a brand new facility uh, in our area. And so doing that, uh, there's a lot more meetings and phone calls. I, like this afternoon, uh, I went to lay down to take a nap and I was like, all right, I'm going to snag a nap real quick before we do all these podcast recordings. And as soon as I laid down, I took eight phone calls back to back and uh, <laughs> was like, well, that nap, you know, is just out the window. And so that's the reality of the season we're in. It's really busy. And I think today's like, content is super important. Um, we're going to dive into a two-part series today called The Four Enemies of Rest. And so my hope today is to talk about two of those things that kind of get in our way, that stand in the way of us resting. Um, I've identified these as enemies for me. You may have a whole different set of, of list of things that like really keep you from resting. Uh, and if so, I'd encourage you to start your own podcast. Right? <laughs> like, I'd love to hear about those things. Uh, but for me in this season, even though I feel really busy, even though I feel like I've got all these things going on, it's never been more important for me to be rested. Yeah, that's good. And so I just came back from spending a couple of days in the mountains with Jesus, resting, recharging, seeking after him, because I've learned for you to be a healthy and effective leader, rest is essential. Yeah. 
it's not something I think we may have said this in one of the earlier episodes is that rest is not something we have time for. It's something we make time for. Like rest is a part of what we prioritize and yep. what we value. And so if, if you're a leader, uh, chances are really high. You're going to feel like you're in a season where you don't have time to rest, but rest is not something you have time for. It's right. something you make time for. It's something that I intentionally orchestrate into my calendar because I value it. Yeah, that's good. And I think, I think too, one of the other big things is like, you know, for myself coming from the business world, I think one of the biggest challenges that I consistently run into is it's like, I'm jumping from full-time job and then jumping into the ministry side of things and making sure that I'm taking care of all of my responsibilities and otherwise. And so being able to prioritize rest doesn't seem like it's something that comes naturally. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'd love to kind of talk through these four enemies of rest and, and really understand you know, how can I make rest a bigger priority when it comes to, you know, my own life from that standpoint too? Yeah. So the first enemy of rest that I found in my own life is uh, living a hurried life. Mm. One of the things that I love about Jesus and, and John Mark Comer kind of unpacks this thought a little bit in his book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which if you haven't read that, it's a great read. Um, there, I, for me, it's one of those books where it's a great introduction to rest. There's some elements that I'm like, yeah, man, I'd never do that. Um, but I mean, there, there's rarely anything you're gonna read where you go, yep, I am a hundred. Yeah, I agree with everything. Yeah, yeah it's that's not gonna happen. that's not the case. And in all honesty, like, we never engage with content because we fully agree with it. Right. If we did, I'd quit scrolling through social media. Right. That's like, fair. Same thing we teach people when we talk about reading the Bible, right? You don't read anything because you believe it's true. If you did, social media would go out the window for you. Uh, <laughs> but when we engage with truth, uh, it can change us from the inside out. And so John Mark Comer's book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, is phenomenal. But one of the things he talks about in there is that Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. Yeah. And I think a lot of times as leaders, we go, how can I get rid of busyness? You're probably not going to do that. Like, I'm every time I come out of a busy season, I end up in another busy season. Yeah. And and sometimes as leaders, we lie to ourselves in one season going, well, the busyness I feel right now will be over. Right. And if I can just get there, then it's going to be finished and I'll make it. It's going to be fine. Then you get to the end of that and it just created more problems. Yeah. Or like you ended up going into another thing. I remember um, when we were uh, running about 100 people as a church and I thought, Man, if we could just reach 200 people, for some reason, I thought that at 200 people, man, this was going to be a cakewalk. More people, more problems. Yeah. Like, it never created less work, right? It created no, that's 100% true. substantially more. And so I think the um, a hurried life is one of those things that really stands in the way of rest. And for me, I kind of have broken. I'm a pastor at heart. So I've broken it into like three different categories. The first thing with a hurried life is my pace. Um, and when I look at my pace, it's uh, how fast I'm running. 
So we all have goals. We all have aspirations. We all have things that we need to get done. But a lot of times, the pace we run in, we justify in one season for what we know is unsustainable in the long run. Mm. And I've found that if it's unsustainable later, I shouldn't do it now. Yeah. Because God knows exactly what I need to do everything He's called me to do. And in the pace I live, I don't have to live in a hurry. I don't have to run at 110 miles an hour nonstop, uh, seven days a week, 24-7, and wear busyness like a badge of honor, like wear this hurry. I'm always in a hurry. Like, hey, one of the one of the things that breaks my heart as a leader is when I talk to somebody that's in crisis or in trouble and they go, well, I didn't reach out to you because I knew you were busy. It's like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. You know, like I've communicated to you somehow that I'm so busy that I don't have time for you. Yeah. It's not the, that, that's not obviously what you want to reflect as a leader. And, and I think that's, that's a key too, because, you know, when you are showing and, or when people get the perception, I should say that they're, dem- that you're demonstrating that you're just too busy for them, you lose your effectiveness as a yeah. leader because you're not, you're not able to help lead them through those situations that they're walking through or otherwise. Yeah. So pace is really important because pace really is, um, where I get to kind of assess and determine is this sustainable in the long run? Um, like, uh, for me, um, you know, I was talking to my wife earlier today. Like, I've, I've got a late night tonight, and I've got an early morning tomorrow. And if I'm not really intentional with my, my schedule and my calendar, what will happen is, because my brain will run at a 1,000 miles an hour, I won't sleep at all tonight. Yeah. Like, I just won't. I won't be able to go to bed. I'll go in, and I won't sleep until tomorrow evening. Mm. That's not sustainable. No. So it's like, how do we figure out how to run at a sustainable pace? Because uh, if it's not okay for then, it shouldn't be okay for right now. Yeah. So let's make sure we run sustainably and have a sustainable pace. Uh, the second thing that I think creates a hurried life is position. Mm. And so the title, the role, the responsibility that you have, um, that plays a role in the hurried nature of your life. And some of those things um, are things that you've chosen, and some of the things in a hurried life are things that you have no control of at all. Like I know, Darren, you and I talk a a lot um, because of where you work and the way you lead. Like there's some things in the hurried nature of life that you don't have control of because of your position. Right. But if I can't control the things I'm not in control of, I have to focus on what I can control. Right. And so in leadership, when we're leading people and we feel like we're too hurried, um, we see this in Jesus' uh, ministry. Uh, Jesus has an encounter with this guy by the name of Jairus. Mm -hmm. He comes to him, and Jairus is freaking out because his daughter is about to die. Yep. 
And so he says, Jesus, you need to come with me right now. Yep. And Jesus is just like, okay, I'll come with you. He starts walking through the crowds. And as he's walking through the crowds of people, um, he's not in a hurry at all. In fact, um, there's this woman who touches him, and he turns around and stops and goes, like, who touched me? Jairus, if I'm Jairus, I'm thinking, it doesn't matter who touched you. We need to go now. If God, <laughs> right, if God parted the sky and came down and touched you, right, that'd be fine. Yeah. We, unless it's God, you better keep it moving. Like, we have stuff to do. We are in a hurry. Um, and if we're not careful, because of the position we hold, we'll let other people's chaos drive our pace. Ooh, yeah, very true. And Jesus doesn't do that. Yeah. He stops. He has a conversation with this woman. She gets healed. And ultimately, he goes on to heal Jairus' daughter mm -hmm. as well. But early in, in ministry, it taught me so much about position and authority. Because when you walk in authority and you do have a position of leadership, um, you have to be really intentional that other people's chaos does not drive your pace. Yeah, that's um, good. They're going to come to you because of the position you hold, but you get to control the pace you live in. You get to control all of that. And I think like that's what a great leader does is they understand pace, they understand position. And the third thing uh, I think is posture. And that's posture is kind of how you approach life. Um, most of us are in a hurry because we underestimate what we can accomplish in the long run and overestimate mm. what we can accomplish in the short run. Yeah. Like the reason why we're in a hurry is because we think like maybe it's pressure that other people have put on us. Maybe it's this idea like that if I don't have that position or make this salary by the time I'm 30, I'm not going to make it in life. If I can't afford that new car, that means I'm less of a person. Mm -hmm. And our hurried life is really geared and wrapped around the posture or the approach that we bring to life, and that is an enemy of rest. Yeah, This hurried life is going to keep you from rest because you'll devalue rest so that you can somehow find promotion and elevation in the long run. And what happens is when you undervalue rest, even on the short term, your character is not able to sustain the weight of where God wants to take you in the long run. Yeah. And so a hurried life with posture and approach, uh, like we talked about, I think in the last episode, maybe it was two episodes ago, you don't have to live for the approval of other people. Right. I'm not living my life to prove. I'm not, um, I, I remember talking to uh, uh, somebody the other week. It was a pastor who was on an event we were on and, and he said like, man, if somebody drives by my office and sees that my vehicle isn't there, they're going, oh, I guess pastor's not working today. It's like, dude, I don't work for you. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not going to let you drive my pace just because you have insecurities. Yeah. I'm not going to let the approach I have to life be forcing me to live my life in a hurry. Because when you live your life in a hurry, you will see divine appointments as obstacles yeah. and interruptions. That's good. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think the other, the other thing that I thought about too, as you were talking through that is just, you know, 
how often do we do we run that hurried pace and we we fill up our calendars with appointments i know um, you know, again, being in the professional world, I'm filling up my calendar constantly. I'm running from one meeting to the next and, and constantly doing that. And so you have to prioritize and make time for you, your own health and your own rest as part of that. Yeah. And so, you know, making sure that you're putting blocks on your calendar that, you know, are, are prioritized for the things that you need to accomplish. And there's so many people that are so task driven too, yeah. and, and they just move from task to task to task to task. And, and lose sight of ultimately what God is trying to show them through the things that they're doing, but also through the people around them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to calendar and blocking out times, uh, you were not meant to live controlled by your calendar. Yeah. You control your calendar. Yeah, it doesn't good. control you. So, like, for me, in the effort to not live hurried, um, I block off my mornings. So you're, like... For, for people who really want to meet with me and stuff like that, it happens after lunchtime. Because my best time with the Lord and my best time to do the things that I need to do as far as creative writing, book writing, sermon writing, leadership teaching, all that stuff happens in the morning. Yeah. So I find that and I protect that um, whenever I can. And there's there's variables. I know we've got a video shoot tomorrow morning. Yep. Those are anomalies, not norms. Right. And so, um, because, uh, it's, you can't get rigid either and think you're never going to have interruptions to those things. Um, we don't have time to get into it no, today. No. Uh, cause I know that this feel like I could probably four part this, uh, at this point. Um, but sometimes, uh, we call it a boundary, but really it's a barrier. Mm. Um, and I'll hit it, I'll hit you with it really quick. And then, uh, we'll keep rolling. The difference between a boundary and a barrier is a boundary is designed to protect God's calling on your life, but a barrier is designed to keep people out. Mm. And most of the time, people try and establish boundaries after they've been wounded by people, but they're not boundaries, they're barriers, because yeah. they just keep people away from you. Yeah. And that's not God's design for your life. I think that's definitely a topic we will save for a <laughs> yeah. future podcast we'll hit episode for sure. We'll hit yeah. it for sure. Yeah. But uh, the second enemy... Uh, of rest is anxiousness. And I'll tell you, um, anxiousness is something that I battle with pretty consistently, but most people would never know it. Mm. Um, sometimes as leaders, we don't do a great job. Uh, one of the things I teach people is like, I don't preach my process because um, I will teach from my scars, not my wounds. Yeah. No one needs to get bled on. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. But scars are God's greatest stories of healing. Mm. And a lot of times uh, I feel anxious because I am fighting for the things I can't control. There's things I can't control in life. Like right now we're in a season where we are, uh, on a journey of raising a million dollars over the course of the next two years. We kicked off, did a big give weekend with our church, did pledges, and by God's grace, we're like halfway there. Like we we have uh, people who have given, people who have pledged to give, uh, almost half a million dollars over the next two years. That's amazing. Yep. Um, the night that that number was given to me, I remember sitting there in that moment, and I was like, okay, I'm excited. This is awesome. This is amazing. That lasted for about 27 <laughs> seconds. And then I went, 
how in the world am I going to come up with $500,000 over the course of the next two years? And all of a sudden, all of this pressure came onto my shoulders. And I felt all this weight, and I didn't really know what to do. And so I'm going to tell you what my strategy has been. Uh, It's been working for me right now. Um, Right now, what I say every day is... Um, today I'm going to let God worry about it and I'll worry about it tomorrow. And then when I wake up the next day, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the perfect strategy. Uh, we're going on two and a half weeks of, of this. And every day I'm like, you know what? I'll worry about tomorrow. I'll worry about it tomorrow and I'll let God worry about it today. Yeah. That's good. And I've just been kind of running that play. Um, I don't know what works to combat anxiousness fully because I, I still live in it. I still experience it. Um, but what I will tell you is anxiousness for me always communicates what I attempt to control mm. and what I don't fully trust God to come through for. And so I have a gap, I have a gap between reality and necessity. Yep. And I know God can do it. I've been in situations like this before. Yeah. But I live in this anxiousness because I haven't seen him come through yet. And so I would just encourage you as a leader, don't let anxiousness rob you of the ability to rest. Uh, this is the opportunity for you to develop trust with the Lord, yeah. to spend time with him and to come back to him consistently and say, God, I might not actually trust you with this issue, but I'm going to lay it at your feet. Yeah. And every time I pick it back up, which I'm going to, because that's just how I'm wired. I'm going to lay it right back down at your feet. And so, Lord, I'm going to let you worry about it today. I'll worry about it tomorrow. And tomorrow, Lord, I'm going to let you worry about it today. I'm going to worry about it tomorrow. So those are the two enemies of rest. I know I, I kind of spent a ton of time uh, unpacking the first one of what it looks like to live a, a hurried life. life. Yeah. But, man, with anxiousness, I think... Uh, if you're a leader listening to this right now, chances are high you feel alone. You feel like you are the only one who feels this way, and it is not true at all. Uh, more people than you realize feel anxious, but most people don't know what to call it yeah. um, in life. Yeah, man, I, I like that a lot, and I love the fact that we can start to unpack these enemies and, and kind of get an idea as to how do we begin to, you know, how do we begin to tackle them? Right. I mean, what are some of the practicals that get us there? Um, but it's that part of our episode, each, uh, each, each podcast episode that we do where we want your questions. And so whether that be, you leave them in the comments for us or at info at saylawleaders.com. Um, but this, uh, this week's question comes to us from Tony and Tony asks, how often do you rest? As much as possible. <laughs> um, no, listen. The, here's the reality: Jesus didn't give us a number. Like he didn't. He didn't give us a number of how many times would be sufficient to rest. We see Jesus model for us uh, withdrawing often. Yeah. So Jesus never moves from ministry moment to ministry moment without intentional time with the Father intentional time with the Lord. And so I think like for me, like a couple rhythms, one, I take every Friday off. That's my Sabbath. 
I do everything I can to protect that. But the Sabbath is not absent of ministry. Right. So Jesus, you're never more like a Pharisee than when you won't do ministry on the Sabbath. Because Jesus talks to them about that. He's yeah. a bit, a lot of conversations. They're like, How, you can't do ministry on the Sabbath. He's like, well, yes, you can. Yeah. Right. Um, because the Sabbath is ultimately about connection with the Lord. And so I would say, like, I rest weekly. Um, I get away quarterly mm. for a couple of days, like three, sometimes five days, really, depending on the weight of the season and what I need uh, for that. And uh, then, you know, I go on vacation with my wife, but vacation and rest are different. Vacation is really for your physical body, where Sabbath rest is for your soul. Yeah. And so uh, I would say figure out what that looks like for you. The The easiest thing to do is to start somewhere. Because um, I've never met a leader who rested well and was unhealthy. Mm. Like most leaders who rest well are healthy and thriving. I think it's the only way to stay in the game for the long run. Uh, we are hitting seven. We've hit seven years as a church. Mm-hmm. So I have an entire month that I am taking off uh, this year yep. to kind of just rest and take that time. I don't think there's a secret sauce for how many days you take. I know Rick Warren used to say, for every seven days, you take a day. For every seven weeks, you take a weekend. For every seven months, you take a week. And for every seven years, you take a month. It was like a seven, seven, seven. There are a lot of sevens involved in it. Um, You can work off that system. Uh, I think the big thing is for you to become a self-aware leader, to know what drains you, know what weaknesses you have, and then act accordingly. Because when you do that, you will find the most fruit uh, in rest. Yeah, I love that. And and I think you and I have talked about this a lot, but it's all about establishing a rhythm, getting in that rhythm of rest. And yeah. so great practicals this, this this episode. Come on. I love it. You got any parting thoughts? No, uh, just when you feel like you have to live in a hurry and you feel anxious, know that it's tactics of the enemy trying to rob you of your God-orchestrated design to rest. Mm. The good news is that the enemy has been defeated. So every territory I give him is simply one that I've relinquished to him. He has no right, he has no authority to rob me of God's design for rest in my life. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this month's episode of the Selah Leaders Podcast. Darren and I are so grateful that you chose to spend some time with us today to check it out. But do us a favor. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, comment, share it with a friend, family, or another leader in your life. It would truly make a huge difference. Yeah, and if you'd like more information, jump over to selahleaders.com.